You're listening to another sermon by Pastor Michael Zapata from the Potter's House Christian Church. Praise God. So glad you could join us once again uh, online uh, to our online services. I trust this is still helping you and uh, we're going to believe once again for this afternoon for God to speak to us. Uh, if you brought your Bibles this morning, uh, this afternoon, rather, uh, let's turn to the book of Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be reading from verse 12 and 13. Book of Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 12 and 13. It was Bear Grylls who said, Being brave isn't the absence of fear. Being brave is having that fear, but finding a way through it. It was just uh, on Saturday that... A few of us guys rallied together and went on a hike at the uh, Springbrook National Park. And my family and I have been to that park uh, numbers of times. And the last time that we were actually there, we walked past a very venomous snake. Now, I don't know about you, but I live under the principle of uh, the the only good snake is a dead snake. And so this uh, uh, hike on Saturday morning, again, um, we went there uh, and going through the different trails that are there. And as we came around the corner, we find this new snake sitting there, just basking in the sun. And immediately, we all jumped back. And uh, straight away, I was in fear. I, did not, I do not like snakes. I do not like being around snakes. I'm not a, a snake guy. And so TJ very bravely grabbed a long, pointy stick, and he began to just kind of pushed the snake away, and this snake just quickly, rapidly slithered under all these uh, leaves and went out of sight. And so the guys just very casually walked past it, and I was like, absolutely not. I jumped over, making sure that I actually avoided this snake at all costs. Now, they say fear is one of the great, most powerful motivators of all. And the truth is, is that fear, no doubt, has a motivating Uh, ability in our own Christian walk. In the passage of Scripture we're about to read, Paul is instructing the church of Philippi not to allow them to grow into a comfortable Christianity now in his absence. And if we're going to experience all that God has for us, it's going to require us to put into practice everything we've learnt everything we've heard while gathering together in the sanctuary. I want to preach to you a sermon entitled God's Good Pleasure out of the book of Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through to 13. Read along with me in your Bibles. The Bible says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is... God who works in you both to do, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Why don't we just quickly pray? Father God, I'm asking you right now to move supernaturally in this service. We're asking to be able to transcend wherever we are, to be able to hear your word, for it to challenge us, transform us from the inside out. We know, Lord Jesus, that you are with us and you are shaping us into the men and women you've called us and want us to be. I'm asking you right now to help us to put aside every distraction, have our eyes fixed upon you, uh, 
and allow you to do what you do best. Uh, in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen and amen. I want to look firstly and focus on the fact of being in obedience. You know, once something that's been said many times over the past uh, has been that you don't know what you have until it's actually gone. And I think in the present time that we're in, that statement alone, no doubt, is resonating in each and every one of our lives. We can take for granted the ability to be able to join together and gather in the, uh, the very church that we've been saved in and so many things have transpired in. And as humans, we have a tendency to just kind of not value those things that we, we have already and only recognize their value and importance after it's actually gone. We see it today, the small luxuries of being able to go down to the grocery store and buy ourselves just the necessities that we need to carry out our everyday life. Even things like toilet paper or sanitizer, those are in uh, short supply. And these luxuries, you know, 2020's greatest fear is running out of toilet paper. How things have changed so rapidly. And we can see this now incrementally increasing uh, as our luxuries are, are being limited. Not being able to go to those beauty salons, not being able to gather together and fellowship or being at people's houses and having a barbecue. These things have been taken from us and slowly we are now beginning to having to isolate. Now, one of the greatest privileges that the Word of God uh, reveals to us is our ability to gather and be in the house of God. The Bible says in our text, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Here is uh, Paul uh, bringing this profound reality of being in church and being in obedience. You were uh, obedient in the past. You need to continue in that obedience. And this became the norm for them. I can't remember how many times I've said, uh, uh, many times over the pulpit, where we would come into church and we would gather together and we would say, you know what, just leave the, the world, uh, the things that have happened this week outside of those doors and come in and join us and connect with God and allow Him to transform you from the inside out. That's the privilege of being in the house of God. It's a place of refuge, it's a place of deliverance. We see David understood this powerful and wonderful image and this reality of being in the house of God regularly in Psalms 84 verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. In Psalms 122 verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Here is David recognizing the importance of being gathered together and being in his presence in obedience. Now, what we see is Paul is still encouraging the people of Philippi to continue in obedience. Philippians 2, 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence, but also now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And he uses this imagery of fear and trembling to get, get the attention of the reader. 
That obedience is what God is requiring of us, and we ought not to take that lightly. It was Samuel who hi- highlighted this principle to King Saul in 1 Samuel 15:22. He said, "Has the Lord our great uh, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed the that than the fat of rams." Here is Samuel. He's saying to King Saul, "Listen." We've given you instructions. God's given you instructions. There have been things that have been put in place in your life to protect you and to help you. And don't despise that. Those things have been forged. Those things have been implemented for a reason. And your ability to obey them is in response to how you view them. And there's something about Paul's wording in our text that he says, in fear and trembling, work out your own salvation. That you would not just uh, despise that or you would not just walk into uh, your life as a Christian carelessly, but be mindful of every situation that you put yourself in. And so let's look secondly at in my absence. Sometimes gathering isn't always possible. And we are feeling today the real uh, a strain of absence, of being absent from one another. And if you think about the passage of Scripture that we're reading, Paul was actually in prison. He was removed and he was isolated. He couldn't be where he wanted to be. He was an evangelist. He was going around preaching the Word of God and now he's in prison and he's hearing about what's happening in Philippi and he's no doubt wanting to be there with him, but he can't. But what he reminds us in this passage of Scripture is that this is not a siege mentality, that this is only a season that... Maybe you're going through some hardships of separation and being isolated, not being connected uh, uh, with the people uh, uh, that you want to be connected with. Well, the truth is this is only for a season. And the purpose is not to just try to survive, but rather to thrive. That it's more than just holding on for dear life, but rather use this time uh, and, and apply the extra time that you have to be able to grow in these times. Because just because we're not gathering together doesn't prohibit us from being able to grow together. Paul is challenging the church in Philippi to recommit to a growth in their faith. And see, Paul himself, he understood this principle. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, he says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And so here, that word disqualified is the, uh, is the word uh, a castaway. And here he's saying, I don't want to be cast away. I don't want to be someone who's isolated or or far from what my teachings are. He is disciplining his body. He's making sure that whatever he's saying, he's already first applying it to his life. And so when we think about the fear and trembling, this is not a casual approach. 
This is not just a, a careless uh, walk through the park, but rather this was a mindful uh, walking circumspectly, considering every circumstance around him so that he wouldn't disqualify himself. We see this in the Word of God, in the book of Daniel. We have Daniel that's in a foreign country with foreign people who worship foreign gods, unable to worship but publicly but yet still established a prayer closet in his own home. Irregardless to what others were putting in as decrees and laws and regulations in his house, he still established the presence of God and he met with God. And this is an opportunity for you to be able to establish that connection with God in your home. And I want to bring you hope that you can do that. That despite our separation, you can find God in your home and cry out to Him and He will respond. We see this also in John in the New Testament. John was on an island in Patmos, isolated, removed from fellowship. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Here, he's still receiving revelation. And still in isolation, you and I can hear from God. We can receive revelation. We can grow in our own personal faith. We have Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, verse 25. The Bible says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were all listening to them. There was no shackles that could bind them from singing and raising their hands and praising their Lord Jesus Christ still worshipping Jesus with their voices, in prison, while being captive, still praising God. So what this shows us is that we need to take responsibility for our own faith. I don't know about you, but I want the faith that Daniel had to be able to establish a prayer closet in my home where God can meet with me. I want the, the faith uh, uh, that John had that uh, while being uh, uh, isolated on an island, uh, uh, you know, discommunicated, unable to communicate with anyone, still hearing the voice of God, Paul and Silas, no shackles could bind them, still raising their hands and lifting up their voices and singing praises to their Lord Jesus. But see, all we have to do is continue this in the absence. It's while you're alone. It's how you respond during these times. So let's look thirdly and in closing at God's good pleasure. Because there were things that Paul couldn't do because he was isolated. But at the same time, there were still things that he could do. He couldn't go and lay hands on the people in the church of Philippi. He couldn't spend time with them. He couldn't have a coffee with them and counsel them. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, hold fast to the word of life so that I may rejoice in that day of Christ, that I may not run in vain or, or labor in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and services of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Here he's highlighting that he's put in his life efforts. He's done all that he can to make sure that these people would serve and understand the God that is real and desires a relationship with them. And he's saying, I I pray that you would continue to do this so that I would uh, not have done all of that in vain. 
See, Paul couldn't do certain things. But yet he still continued to do things that he could do. But I don't know about you, we've worked too hard over these years. We've put in too many years and too much effort into establishing our fellowship principles and standards over the course of years, evangelizing, going on the streets and being an instrument for God's glory, being shaped and used powerfully. I don't know about you, but we've worked too hard to just kill this momentum, to allow this isolation to stop what God has been doing in the past. We need to strive to make sure that we keep this momentum going. There are things that Paul established that recognized that he could still do. Number one is that he prayed. And there's something profound about praying. That you and I need to be on our knees more than ever before. That there are people that you are connected to that need your prayers. Some of them are new converts, unable to pray for themselves, unable to you know, have the confidence to speak out. And your prayers are making the difference. Your ability to lift them up in your prayers and be praying for them is going to make a world of difference for their own salvation. See, Paul recognized this and he couldn't be there physically, but he still lifted them up in prayers. Number two is that Paul still kept in contact. What a wonderful privilege it is to have all these devices that we have now. But yet, instead of just being playing games and, and, and uh, you know, stalking people online, why not use it for what it's meant to be used for? Contact someone, call them, text them, FaceTime them so you can see them and they can see you. That way you can stay in contact. And I think nowadays, more than ever, get someone's number, contact them and make sure that they know that you are praying for them. And finally, what Paul did, he was mindful of others. He remembered them. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, I thank God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making request for you all with joy. See, this is the testimony of God. Paul remembered those. And our Father in heaven remembers us wherever we are. And I know that there are testimonies in our church, and I'm so encouraged to hear them, that there are people in our church, you're remembering others. I've heard testimonies of people stockpiling up, buying everything that they could, and then they got to a stage where God spoke to them and said, okay, you've got enough, now help those that don't have. And they've gone out there and they've helped them and they've reached out. And see, that's exactly what this scripture is speaking about. That here is Paul, he's remembering them. He's not just thinking about himself. You know, Paul is in prison, isolated. He's got a lot of problems. He's got a lot of things to take care of by himself. And yet he still thought of others. So we need to take heed to this warning today. Recognize that these times together are slowly diminishing. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, our ability to take this and apply it to our own personal life will strengthen us and make us the people of God God wants us to be. God's good pleasure is when we continue 
to apply everything we've learned, everything we've been taught, when nobody's watching, when nobody can see us. I want to close with this story. When the Apollo 11's Eagle Lunar module landed on the moon in July 20, 1969, astronaut Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin had to do something hard. They actually had to wait. They were scheduled to open the door of their lunar lander and step into the unknown surfaces of a completely different world. But for now, their mission ordered them to take pause before the big event. And so Aldrin spent this time doing something very unexpected, something no man had attempted before. Alone and overwhelmed by anticipation, he took part of his first Christian sacrament ever performed on the moon, a rite of the Christian communion. Men had already prayed in space, but Aldrin was about to go one step further, literally and figuratively. Part of his mission was not just to land on the moon, but to walk on it. To prepare, he took communion after the Eagle Lunar module landed on the moon's sea of tranquility during the hour's long downtime period designed to let the astronauts recover from the space flight and prepared for the moonwalk. Here is Buzz Aldrin that was stepping into a new world, something of the unknown. But the first thing that he did is said, you know what, I've just got to have communion with God. I've got to spend time right now with my, I'm so uncertain. I don't know what's going to happen the moment I step out. I'm uncomfortable. So what am I, what am I going to do? I'm going to do first thing, and that is have communion with God. You know, connecting with God has no boundaries. Only the boundaries that you put on yourself. My pastor has many times told me you can have as much of God as you want. Now we're given that opportunity. Now we have extra time. Let's use it for our advantage. Let's be God's good pleasure as we dedicate our time and efforts towards him, recognizing him as first and foremost, the most important thing in our own personal lives. Praise God. Why don't we just quickly bow our heads? Bow our heads wherever we are. We're in the presence of God. I want to give an opportunity for anyone that's here. Firstly, you're listening, you're watching online, you're unsaved, or maybe you're backslidden. You'd recognize that if you were to pass away today, you would not make heaven your home. But I want to declare to you that the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross of Calvary over 2,000 years ago was so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. That by asking for forgiveness of all your sins and repenting of your ways, you would be forgiven of those sins. You would make heaven your home. Your name would be written in the Lamb's book of life. And if you're listening to me, you're watching online and you recognize, you know what, well, that's me. I'm not saved or maybe I'm vaccinated. I don't know what would happen to me if I was to die today. But I want to make sure that heaven would be my home. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, this is how we are forgiven. And it's a prayer that says, Father, forgive me, I'm a sinner. I'm asking you to come into my heart.
to give me a brand new start. I repent of all my sins and I'm choosing to serve you and live for you wholeheartedly. I thank you for forgiving me and I receive the sacrifice, the payment on the cross as a payment for my sins and I know I'm forgiven. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You know, if you prayed that, you unlocked something in the supernatural. And now you can have a conversation with your Father in heaven that you can speak to Him. Whatever you pray, you begin to align your life and ask Him for direction, and He will speak to you. He will guide your life. But maybe you're here and you're watching and you recognize, you know what? This has been me. I want my life to be God's good pleasure. That while nobody's watching, I want to still be faithful and obedient. That while I'm not surrounded by other Christians, isolated, I want to make sure that I still remain in contact with my Father in heaven. Maybe you're someone who has been self-isolating for many years. You've been removing yourself from contact from other church members. You've changed your name. You've changed your number. You've gone into hiding. Listen to me. Now is not the time to run. Now is the time to get connected with God, with God's people, and God's word. This is an opportunity that you cannot miss. I want to encourage you, wherever you are, you just begin to pray. You begin to say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for self-isolating. Forgive me from removing myself from your presence. I want to be someone who continues in prayer, who continues in contact, who remembers not just my issues, but also the issues of others and intercedes in any ways that I can. Be a man or woman of God that would uh, be someone described as God's good pleasure. You and I, we have the opportunity. All we have to do is appropriate, apply everything that we're reading this evening and let it filter through our lives, emanate out, and we'll see God move supernaturally. Praise God. Amen. That's all I have for you this evening. I want to thank you once again for tuning in. Our regular services are going to continue to be live-streamed on the Potter's House, gc.online.church. And I want to encourage you, if you know of anyone that is not being, uh, getting these uh, uh, live-stream services, contact them today. Let them know where the services are at, how to get to it. That way we can stay in contact with one another, be able to help uh, others also come in contact with all that God's doing. I want to thank you for your regular attendance, for your faithfulness. I appreciate you all. God bless you, and good night.